0: One of the hymns we sang today, we have a story to tell to the nation. Uh, Verse 3, what a message to give to the nations. You sang this. That the Lord who reigneth above hath sent us His Son to save us and show us God is love. We have got a message to tell the nations story. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that we're part of your bigger story. We are part of that message, a message of redemption and salvation and transformation as you're changing us to become like you in Christ's likeness. Thank you, Lord, for each element of service that we've had in this worship experience thank you for the music and the prayers and the instrumentation and the opportunity to give lord for all these things we give thanks and we ask now that you would bless the proclaimed word may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you O lord our strength and our redeemer amen Have you ever been at the right place at the right time? Have you ever felt like you've been at the right place at the right time? Now some of us can call upon those moments. In fact, many of us can recall those moments where we were at the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) But what about those examples where we've been at the right place at the right time? I I think about... How the young boy catches with his mitt a foul ball at Turner Field. He must feel that he was at the right place at the right time. Or maybe you've come upon an accident, uh, an auto accident, and you get out and you help someone right after impact. And they actually say to you, Thank you for being here. And you felt as though you were at the right place at the right time. I mean, that's the way I look back and think upon meeting my bride, my wife for life. Delia. In fact, uh, husbands, you're in here. Some of you husbands, turn to your wife and say, fortunate for me, I was at the right place at the right time. Now, cheese, that does not mean that you say to Dee, fortunate for you, you were at the right place at the right time. <laughs> and, and those are special moments. In fact, I would suggest to you that you've even sensed that they are divine appointments. Something you did not have on your calendar you didn't have it on your paper calendar. Or you didn't have it on your smartphone. But it was an encounter that was life-changing. It was a moment. Well, in the sporting world, we call it a game changer. Everything changed because of that A divine appointment of being in the right place at the right time. And it was no mistake. In fact, those moments are just as significant as something you planned for or prepared for. They may be more important than what's on your personal schedule. And we may never know why God put us in a certain place at a certain time. In fact, some of that that answer may not come to that question until we get to heaven. And we may need to make peace with that. But so much happens on our way to doing something else. And if we're not careful, we'll miss life while we're doing life. That's why children are so important. They teach us to live 100% in the presence, present moment. They see something in nature that captivates them, and they say, Wait a minute, I want to look at this. And we say, No, 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 we've got to keep going. We've got a schedule to keep. And yet they may have a better perspective. Maybe that's happened to you. You're on your way somewhere, and something takes place of significance. I think of Jesus and how he was on his way to help Jairus and the daughter of this noble person. And while he was on his way to bring healing, a woman who had an infirmity touched the hem of his garment. And he said, I felt, I felt the healing power pass through me, out of me. You see, an event happened on the way to him being a part of a, an event. And I want to suggest to you that that can happen to us. There can be those moments... Where we are allowed by God to intervene into the lives of someone else. And we don't even see the full picture. But it's significant. You may be leaving a message on somebody's voicemail before they're ready to make a decision and you've helped to inform them in good ways. You've encouraged them. Or maybe just a passing thought, you said, hey, I'm praying for you as you have that procedure. And while that was no big deal to you, that really meant something. And for them, you were at the right place at the right time. Well, we are in the series entitled, I Am Pittman Park. And we've looked at the fact that we are a family of faith. Yes, I know we have three services, and we have a lot of folks doing ministry in a lot of different directions, but we are one church, and together we can do more than any one of us separately. And we've asked the question, what does a disciple look like? What does a member of Pittman Park look like? How does that reflect? If I am Pittman Park, what should exude from my life? What should I... Be about And and one of the things we said was study. To study God's Word, to be transformed, to put ourselves in teachable situations that we might grow more like Christ. We also said, you know, it's about service. We're not here for ourselves. We're called to serve God and serve God's children. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you've got to be the least of these. You've got to be servant of all. We've already mentioned praying. We're a praying community. And last Sunday, in a very powerful way, Jonathan brought a message related to the fact that we're called to be generous. And so if I am Pittman Park, and if you are Pittman Park, these are the qualities that we are to have about us as faithful followers of Jesus. And today, I want to suggest to you that you are not only a prayer, you're not only a servant, you're not only one who is a student, you're not only generous, but you're a messenger. And oh, what a message you bring. And that's exactly what we heard in the story that Gary read for us. A disciple of Christ, Jesus Christ, that is, had Philip. And Philip traveled into Samaria which says that the commission of Acts 1-8 is very, very significant in that it's concentric circles in Jerusalem and Judea and be my witnesses in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. And so I think Luke was really trying to suggest in the inspiration, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that there is an inclusivity to the gospel. There's, a, there's an embracing of all people. For Samaritans were looked with contempt. And yet Philip was serving them faithfully to the commission. And he hears a word from God. In fact, it's God's angel. And God's angel speaks to Philip and says, Look, at noon today, At noon today, I want you to walk over on a wilderness road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he takes him out of a thriving, prosperous ministry in Samaria and says, I want you to go to the hill country of Judea. And these Judean hills have great potential. In fact, one person I want you to seek out. And with that, there was a chariot and an Ethiopian eunuch. He was a treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia. A man of nobility. Distinguished in character. And he had just gone to Jerusalem on a spiritual pilgrimage, but he was still trying to piece it all together. And he was reading the text out of Isaiah. And Philip came upon the chariot and he felt the Spirit say to him, engage conversation with this guy. And so he did. And he said, what is it that you're reading? And he said, I'm reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I? The Ethiopian eunuch said, unless someone explains it to me. And in a very inspirational, divine appointment kind of encounter, we find that Philip leads this Ethiopian into a relationship with Christ. It says that he proclaimed Christ. And in an amazing moment, I love it, the Ethiopian eunuch says, what would prohibit us from having me be baptized? What would stand in the way of me being baptized? And Philip said, nothing. And so they found a body of water and they baptized this convert, this one who gave his life to Christ. And I appreciate Philip so much because he was willing to come alongside of that chariot. He was obedient to the Spirit. He engaged this man in a conversation which would eventually lead him to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I tried to put this story in a modern day context. And I tried to imagine, and I want you to imagine with me, if this Ethiopian eunuch was being interviewed by the media. You know, media is so big for us today. And it's so much a part of our culture. I mean, can you imagine a setting where he has a small mic. He's seated at a table. And kind of like a sporting event where an athlete is being interviewed after a game, there's the sponsor draped behind him. And there is the setting where he's being interviewed. And many of the reporters are are reaching out. And they're wanting attention. They want to raise their question. And so one of them asks in this interview... How is it that you, a treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia, would have such a life-changing experience? Tell us about that. What are the implications? How are you thankful for this experience and this encounter you had that you describe on the road to Jerusalem? How has the message changed you? And I wonder if he responded in a couple of ways. I'm just speculating. But about one would be I'm glad to know that the news is good that the message that was shared with me was positive. You know that's important in this day to win people for Jesus Christ. We need to recognize that the message we bring is a good one. Let me ask you what kind of message do you bring? What is your message? I believe we're at our best when we bring the message of Jesus Christ. And that's good news, bad news, good news. Let me explain what that means. When creation unfolded, it was perfect, and after everything was spun into motion, God looked and He said, it is good. It is perfect. That's the good news. We were made in His his image. Bad news. Humankind is broken. And through an act of the will, through human volition and choice, we chose sin. Now, what is sin? It often is thrown around. It simply is a Greek word that means to miss the mark. We missed the mark, we were selfish, we needed redemption we needed grace we needed mercy and here's the good news jesus christ was sent for the redemption of the whole world and so the good news is that all was made in perfection perfection was marred that's the bad news but the good news is this that we've been redeemed that god is working out his creation again in a very special way through us and through the power of Christ. And I really believe it's that good news that we need to get out in front of people. You know, we win people better with honey than we do with vinegar. We we're able to accentuate the good news. And so when you encounter people, I want to ask you, what message do you bring and is it good news? But I want to make this affirmation before I move on. I believe that God has placed you in the right place at the right time. And I believe that God wants to use every person that is a part of Pittman Park to help change the lives of those around us. People are hungry for the gospel, people are thirsty for truth. Maybe that's why the Ethiopian said, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? Now, we don't do that arrogantly, but we do it intentionally. I wonder if he was asked at that press conference, sir, uh, tell us more about your experience on the road to Gaza. As you left Jerusalem what was it like this encounter who did you encounter well i'm glad you asked it was philip and i guess the thing i'm grateful for is that someone had the courage to explain to me what the scripture said someone had the courage to offer me the message you see i believe that we have the message and as we're open to the holy spirit God uses us to share the gospel with all of those around us. He uses your hands. He uses your feet. He uses your expressions. He uses your mouthpiece to get the message out. You're all He has. And while it sounds trying, it is true. You may be the only Bible Someone reads. You have the message. I believe that you are in the right place at the right time because you're the right person. Did you know that 10,000 people, you will touch 10,000 people in significant ways over a lifetime? Think about that impact. You may say, you know, Tim, if I was in a a more optimal situation, I could make a greater impact. You know, if I had this obstacle removed, then maybe I could really make a difference for Christ. I want to suggest to you that God has you right where he needs you. I remember moving through a transition in the appointive process. Many of you know that we as United Methodists are appointed to churches. The bishop and the cabinet, the district superintendents, assess the situation and needs of every church, and then they appoint a pastor. And I remember going through that transition knowing that my ministry had come to a close at one church, and now it was time for me to serve somewhere else. But I didn't have a clue where I was going. And I remember the struggle and the angst with that, wondering, am I going to be in the right place at the right time? And am I going to be the right person? And I remember one pastor, an older pastor, said to me, Tim, know this, that if you have the message of the gospel and you're proclaiming it, you'll never be appointed outside the will of God. Number two, I believe that God is less concerned about location and more concerned about transformation. I believe that God is less concerned about where we are and more concerned about what's happening to us and how we're affecting positively the lives of those around us. That has stayed with me. That has helped me to understand that I've got to plant the seeds where I am and to bloom where I'm planted. And so I really wonder if that Ethiopian said you know first of all the message was transforming and it was a good word it was good news but number two I'm glad that somebody was faithful to share it have you met my friend Philip and then they may have asked him I don't know this is all hypothetical they may have said well what will you do with this how will it affect you moving forward And I would venture to say that that Ethiopian would have said, I now go with the same message. Maybe he read in Isaiah how Isaiah said it's a beautiful thing when the message is proclaimed. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. How beautiful is that person? Maybe the Ethiopian leader saw that. Maybe he responded with that. But this we know, that God needed to redeem this world. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And now, for us, we have the message. The message has been told to us. It has become a part of it and we are manifesting that message in the way that we live and we must take that message and share it with others will we have the courage will we get outside of our comfort area to really be compassionate to be intentional to tell our story about how Christ has made a difference because i am convinced that there are hurting people that need to hear the message of Christ. It reminds me of how migrant tribes would move across the desert. And sometimes they would get despondent and disillusioned. and Water was hard to come by. And there would be those that would run out ahead and they would survey the land and look ahead. While the tribe was back here moving slowly, they were fast-paced looking for water. While these are dehydrated, these are looking for hope. And sure enough, they discover suitable water to drink. And these messengers run back. And what is their message? Their message is, keep moving. Water ahead. There is water just beyond the dune. We'll make it. There's hope. In a broken world, part of the way that we live our lives need to be about sharing that good news. That Christ said to the woman at the well, I can give you water that will help you to never thirst again. And will change your life. And what did she do? She ran off, told the village... And it says in the Bible, the whole town was converted. The best means of evangelism. People bring people. God is counting on you. And I am convinced that you are at the right place At the right time. And you're God's right person. So do it right. Share the message. Of hope. And forgiveness. And mercy. And grace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to take these next few moments. Tina's going to play for us some music. Let me put at ease those that are guests today are visiting, exploring the church. This is really about the seriousness of our membership. And so, just relax with it all. But to those that are part of this fellowship of faith, I invite you to take seriously your role in being generous. Uh, these uh, commitment cards, the I am Pittman Park commitment cards are very helpful. Because they help us project into the future what we can do for children and youth and missions. And, and working on God's house and the physical plan. All of these things together. Well, we can do something significant together than any one of us alone. But what you do and what you give matters. And so I invite you to join the Steffens and the Smiths, your pastoral staff, as we commit a tithe to the work of Christ and to the kingdom of God through Pittman Park. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to engage in something very, very significant, something bigger than ourselves. And we ask now that you would bless this act of faith. Lord, we know we're limited in and of ourselves. We see how finite we are when we just look at us. But we say the words of Elizabeth in the New Testament. All things are possible with God. Bless this act of worship. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.